Hey, Michelle. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Pretty good. How's it going with you? Welcome to Season 5, 504 Namaste. Namaste, Mike. Breaking Better Call Saul. (laughs) Yeah, slash Breaking Bad for sure. Breaking in the new Wi-Fi. Yeah. Hey, Michelle. Do you know... uh, I was going to throw you a couple curveballs at the beginning of this one. Okay, go uh, for it. First of all, do you think Breaking Bad had a happy ending? Um, No, I don't. I guess we should say spoiler alert for people who haven't seen El Camino. But um, even with El Camino, you'd say no? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I still say no. I don't think it was as much about Jesse as it was about Walt and his family. And I think... Um, you know, Walt, of course, didn't have a happy ending in any way, really. And his family certainly didn't benefit from anything that he had done. Well, that's up for grabs, right? He he may have gotten the money somehow to them. That's never definitively rejected or approved, confirmed. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe... But I don't know that that would erase the, you know, the tragedy, the legacy, the smear on the name. Remember his son and how upset he was? And I don't know. Well, I, I guess just... happy ending's always an objective question, right? Because if Walt, Walt's position was he's going to die anyway, he lived longer than he thought he was going to live. So that's a little happy for him. He did a lot of bad things, so that's not happy. But he did get he did get the resources to his family that he wanted to get for them. And he did have a little bit of a flourish at the end. Like he said, this I like this. You know, I kind of got a taste of something I never thought of before and kind of relished in it. Yeah, but what he relished in was bad. You know, I mean, that's what we even call it, breaking bad. For your, for, that's your objective, though. For him, he may have he may have called it a happy ending. Sure, but I think he acknowledged that it was bad. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not good. necessarily saying I agree. I mean, he broke off his relationship with his son, which is not good. So. Well, and with Skylar too, and you know, I mean, his whole family. So, do you think Better Call Saul will have a happy ending? I hope it does. Not hope, Michelle. Do you think? What's your take? I think they might do it for us this time. I think we're in a season of happy endings, so I'm going to give them every benefit of the doubt and think that we're going to go that way. All right, Michelle. The last uh, Better Call Saul, the show that makes a fry basket cleaning high-stakes drama. What do you think? You didn't give your thought on it. Uh, I asked the questions, Michelle, not the answers. (laughs) Do I think Breaking Bad had a happy ending? Yeah. I think um, objectively that's multiple answer because I think Walt might actually say it. He maybe not happy is not the right word, but he kind of accomplished what he was trying to do. Okay. Skyler, I don't think was happy. Um, Obviously, Hank and Gomi weren't happy. Marie wasn't happy. Jesse wasn't probably very happy. <laughs> well, he's I mean, happy momentarily, but yeah. Um, I guess it's the. I guess it's outside of happy or sad. I guess it's the irreversible ending. It's the only way it could have ended. 
once it got started, yeah, it could have ended differently, but I don't know that that would have been happy either. I don't know how they could have really made it a happy ending with Walt's diagnosis. Well, so don't you think the writers who created that, who are so much also involved in this, have to stick to their guns and say, we can't just make a happy ending for this. This this is the same story, really. Well, no, because I think some people should at least come out of this happy. I mean, it doesn't mean just because everybody we've seen so far hasn't had a happy ending. Doesn't mean some people couldn't come out of it with a happy ending. Saul's not here because of Walter White. I mean, you know. Theatrically, he is, though. I mean, the story. Sure. I still think there can be something happy. It doesn't look happy, but I think it could be happy. And that's my only gripe with this show, because I love it. I love this show. But why are we not seeing anything of Gene? This is episode four, and it's almost halfway over, and we only saw that little, what, eight-minute clip in episode one? That's a lot. I think we've seen a lot of Gene compared to where we are towards the ending. It's a whole other season and a half of this to go. Gene is going to, they can't show the end too much of the ending, which is essentially Gene till the end. Yeah, but they could tease us with it or something. I mean, give us something, throw us a bones, just show him, you know, show, show us him and something because of everything that was going on in episode one. I think they'll probably wait till the end, till the end of this uh, season to do that. But that's just my guess. All right, Michelle, the other thing I thought about the other curveball is what do we know for sure? And a few things that we know, or one major thing that we know, is that Lalo is dead. Lalo is probably dead, because in Breaking Bad, Gus says to Hector before he kills him, he's about to shoot him with the syringe, he says, you're the last Salamanca, and you will die in an old folks' home. So Gus would have known about Lalo. Gus wouldn't say that if he thought Lalo might still be alive. That's interesting. So I think Lalo is dead. And so we... Lalo would have had to have died at some point during the season then, or during the series. Because when it first came on and they're talking to Saul, Saul thought Lalo sent Jesse and Walt to get him, right? We've already talked about that, though. That could be a, an uninformed statement by Saul that he may not have seen Lalo for multiple times, you know, yeah. multiple times. Sure, okay. Extended time. Um, so, Michelle, what do you think of the number three in this episode? Three bells for the pawn shop, three uh, bowling, bowling balls, balls, the mat- namaste with the three at the end, and Jimmy calls Kim with the number three speed dial on his phone. Okay, that is a curveball. I did think about the three bells, and I couldn't really figure out anything with that. Um, I don't know. I, I think know pawn shops it. always have that three, three. I didn't know it was bells until this exploration into it but they have that little symbol that's on every pawn shop that three i guess bells mm-hmm. like that <clears throat> i don't know what it means but but then the three bowling balls the three seems to just have popped up a lot so did you find anything out about it um no i don't know the answer i'm just okay just yeah. wondering 
we seem to go back and forth a lot in this episode and well and in the series you know kim is good kim's bad kim's good kim's bad howard's bad howard's good jimmy's good saul's bad i mean it's just back and forth and back and forth it's like you never know who you're going to get with any of these people and even the the lines of good and bad blur you know what is good what is bad saul talks about in this how he helps the downtrodden and stuff like that, but he doesn't really. And really that's not what Kim's doing when she is doing the pro bono work. It's not really the downtrodden. Mostly it's, uh, she's had a couple that could have been, we didn't hear their whole stories, but mainly it's just these um, ne'er-do-well petty kind of criminals who get in trouble for doing stupid or reckless or or criminal things yeah but one might call that the very definition of downtrodden you know they've gone they've made the wrong turn in life and then now they're just being beaten down by the system yeah but jimmy talks about it like he's like he's saving baby kittens or something or saul does and i mean that's not what it is, you know. I'm I'm a voice to the voiceless, and whatever he says. Well, he's just he's just pontificating about his value to them. But it's kind of interesting to me, though, because I think that that's what Kim wants to do, and that's what she ends up. It looks like getting Jimmy to do, getting Saul to do here, because Mister Acker is not. A criminal. He's a stubborn dude, but he's not, you know, I mean, he has, there's, there's some validity to his legal entanglement that she's now gotten Saul into. So I think Kim really wants to go in that direction. And I don't think Jimmy cares. I think Jimmy is definitely, he likes the more, the, the, the more colorful underbelly of society, maybe. I'm Michelle, three bowling balls. Peter Gould obviously watched Pulp Fiction to get the testing out of different methods of harming a car. So when did that happen, though? Because this is what I didn't understand about this. We started off with Jimmy going in that resale store, and he's picking up heavy things as if to toss them, right? And it was brilliant what he ended up doing he needed heavy stuff and he got three and they're presumably the same weight and by the way i think he got a little bit ripped off on the price of those bowling balls but that's just me um but he hadn't had his lunch with howard yet had he i thought it was after his lunch why would it have been after that when just you just think they just moved the time around then yeah because i kind of think I'm making the analogy or the I'm equating on the same level Gus saying to Mike we compensated Werner's wife to how Howard offering Jimmy a job essentially it's like I'll I was I mean I guess this opens a whole other can of worms like is Howard a good guy or a bad guy is Howard just trying to settle the score so he feels better or does he really feel honestly concerned about Jimmy Right. And if he's just trying to settle the score, he's just trying to compensate things to make the ledger sheet even. He's trying to offer Jimmy a job. Um, you know, kind of people made the same analogy with with uh, Gray Matter, the the Gretchen's husband offering Walter the job. 
Did he really want Walt to work for him, or did he just feel guilty because he kind of screwed him out of the company? Yeah. So I don't know this much about Howard yet. I, I, I'm pretending to believe Howard's just a good guy, and he kind of sorted, righted his ship, sorted out his psychological stuff, kind of overcame it, and now he feels bad of, about what Chuck did to Jimmy, and he wants to just kind of pay him back a little bit. Yeah, that's that. That's my feeling on it. I feel like, I feel like he was. Howard was held back by Chuck too, and so he now that Chuck's gone, he's free, and Howard is going in a good direction after being freed from this net that Chuck had cast on top of everybody. But Jimmy is going in the opposite direction. And, and so I think the answer to your question is that this is after their lunch meeting because Jimmy's just kind of saying, fuck you, man. You can't just offer right. me a job and make everything good. You, you know, you, you were part of the whole Chuck equation that kept me down when I wanted to be a lawyer. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he had to have went in there for that reason. I mean, otherwise it wouldn't make any sense. But it was just funny that they put it at the beginning. And I really should have, like, paid attention to the clothes and stuff to see what he had on if he went you know, I don't know. But, yeah. It could I, have I been after or not right. He could have gone home and changed. I mean, I, I've only watched this episode once, so I didn't really dig too deeply into it. But I think it has to be, for the meaning of it, to carry anything, it has to be after the lunch with Howard. Well, one thing that I do like about this series, and particularly how they're doing it this year, is that they're starting off right where they left off. And I love that. I hate it when they jump. And I know they have to sometimes, but I hate it when they jump. And there's like a whole bunch of assumptions that you have to come to as the as the episode moves forward. But this episode, we start off, it's just hours from where we left off. The broken glass in the parking lot, uh, naked Kim and uh, Jimmy... And they're they're hurting a little bit <laughs> that morning, trying to um, maybe they, you know, drank a little bit too much the night before the headaches, and the empty beer bottles. And uh, Jimmy tells her just to leave the glass out in the parking lot from the thrown beer bottles. And then he mentions that he's having lunch with Howard and he's not looking forward to it. And Kim says that yesterday was bad, but today she's going to fix it. They say goodbye and walk to their cars. But in the next scene, Kim is bre uh, brushing up that broken glass. And she's in fixer mode. She's fixing the broken glass. She's on the phone with Steph and asking her about PowerPoint and all that kind of stuff and saying she's on her way. Yeah, I think more specifically, Jimmy just doesn't say, oh, screw it, just leave it. He says, leave it for the uh, apartment or the property management company. Like, he knows somebody else will clean it up. She doesn't have to clean it up. He right. doesn't just say, leave it. Who cares if there's glass all over it? He, he knows somebody else will take care of the mess they made. Right. And Kim obviously does not feel comfortable with that. She cleans it up in her dressed work clothes. Which is, you know, pretty revealing about her character. Yeah, it is. And it but it's also funny that she's got one of those or has access to one of those big dust pans and this big broom because you know she doesn't use that in her in her apartment. So she's probably that's probably for maintenance or something. But yeah, I agree. And it makes you like her a little bit, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it. admirable that she's right. taking care of her own messes. Right, I mean, right. Kim makes a mess, she cleans it up. Saul makes a mess, and he he cares a little, but he's like, 
somebody else will do it. Somebody else will clean up after me. So then Saul goes into that meeting room with Sticky and Ron, the goofs that were very happy to get the 50% off coupon. So Saul goes in there. He's got this idea about how he's going to get them. They'll probably only end up doing five months. He's going to get them 12 months. These guys have went rampant. It's like a, you know, 12-page sheet of everything bad that they've done. It's kind of funny how he talks to him about it. He says it'll be like a cruise. And, you know, after all, they're charged with public urination. And the guy goes, if you don't go when nature calls, you'll get kidney stoned. I loved Saul's face with that. That was really good. He looked and kind of did this little shaking his head like, you really are an idiot. Well, these two dopes are the classic victims of the 50% deals where... Oh, 50% off, but they don't know what the original price is. So Saul just says a number and they say, okay, but isn't it half of that? And he just says, no, that is the half number. <laughs> it's it's incredibly stupid of them not to know the original price to be happy that they're getting 50% off and then be kind of dopely surprised at the end that, oh, that's the, that's the final price. That's the 50% off price. But well, a shockingly large number of people in this world fall for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yes, absolutely. But that was what was so ridiculous about the whole thing. And it's kind of what Kim said was going to happen just like to encourage people, which I, I think is just, I don't know. I still don't really know where they're going with all that. I don't believe that that really encourages people to commit crime, but what do I know? But they start talking about how, a public defender is free, and free is better than 50% off. And this is where Saul balks at him. He's saying, do you know who I am? And he goes through his whole little spiel and ends up having him begging him to take his case. And Sticky's grandmother was going to foot the bill. And the quicker she does, the, the, the quicker he can get the ball going. Yeah, well, that's the same. That's another problem those types of people have is they don't understand that free can sometimes be very expensive. To have a public defender, technically it's free, but <laughs> you might get four years in jail instead of four months. Well, yeah, and Saul was saying you, 10 years maybe or whatever. So big, big difference. Okay, then we go to the lunch meeting between Saul and Howard, and he's twisting his ring. He's twisting his ring before he walks in, and that there's something about that ring twist with him. It's like he's it's like he's turning on his bad guy or turning off his bad guy or something. I hadn't figured it out yet. Yeah, so this really is his gray matter moment. He could have been comfortable and affluent probably forever working for HHM. He could have been the new M in HHM, H&M, whatever they would have called themselves. But would have been no Cinnabon, would have been no running from the cops and the DEA and hiding money in the <laughs> Declaration of Independence wallpaper and all that bullshit. It, it was his Walter moment that he did the same thing Walt did. He says no to it, kind of out of pride. Yeah, and he didn't even say, he didn't really say no but he was, first of all, he was, like, shocked, and he was, he was, like, choking on his bread. He couldn't believe it. And then he, like, knocks back a drink. I think it, he was warring with himself. Did you get that? It was like, 
I can't believe he's asking me to do this, and I and I I hate him that the, the him that I know and his business and everything that it stands for, and yet now he wants me. I didn't get so much that he was warring with himself, like it was a tough decision, so much as he was considering what to do about it. Like, how can this bastard be asking me to come work for him? Like, what am I going to do about this? Right. And this is probably where he cooks up the idea of he's got to go get some sort of weapon or object to harm Howard's property. I didn't think it was a hard decision for Jimmy. I think it was a decision about what he was going to do about it. Mike, you've got some noise in the background. You're not going to like it. Just started a minute ago. I know. It's rain. Oh, is it raining? Yeah, I'm in the Sprinter Van studio, Michelle. <laughs> West Coast Project is mobile, and I'm in a rainstorm. <laughs> okay. I didn't know. Okay, I couldn't tell what that was. All right. But this is where Saul... Okay, I I kind of got... It's actually very soothing when you're in here. If you're trying to sleep, in, in, it's a camping sprinter van. So if you're sleeping, it's like such a great sound. Most of those sleep apps have a, like a rain sure. version. That's exactly I, what it sounds like. I bet it is. I mean, I could hear it. I, I, it kind of got loud, then it went got a little softer. So I, I wasn't sure what that was. It sounded like a paper flapping or something. But... I, I did get, not that he was trying to decide what to do, but I guess just the shock of it. You know, am I upset? Am I happy? Is this like, um, you know, uplifting to me? Is this meant to be a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Just all those warring things. I just, I wouldn't know why else he would have like literally almost choked on his food. He was so shocked by it. But this is where he goes into, he's the defender of the downtrodden, the last line of defense for the little guy. He's a life raft. He's a friend to the friendless, blah, blah, blah. And this is where Howard says they did him wrong and they took his legacy away from him and they should have hired him. And, and this is where Howard says he should have had some backbone. So that's kind of what makes me believe Howard. Yeah, I guess I do believe Howard in this. So, Michelle, he calls him Charlie Hustle. Do you remember what Charlie Hustle is from our last I, podcast? Um, I don't. Tell oh, me. Oh, Michelle, you don't even, don't, you don't learn from don't our listen. podcast. No, I don't listen. Charlie Hustle was a great baseball player, Pete Rose. He used to call him Charlie Hustle because he was under-athletic, but he made up for it with his hustle. He was, like, short and stubby and not very fast, but he would run all over the place and bowl people over and... Um, just hustled, hustled, made up his, for his shortcomings by trying hard. Well, that's pretty cool. That's kind of a compliment, correct? It's a total compliment. To Jimmy? To anybody. If somebody calls you Charlie Hustle, it's a compliment. Well, and he, he's also thought about this Christy, uh, Esposito, the scholarship girl, and how Saul was the only one in the room that wanted to lift her up, and how Saul's always the one who'll tell him the truth about everything, and that he needs that, and he wants that. And there is really something to be said for that. I mean, because who really wants a bunch of yes men around him anyway? Yeah, I guess. I mean, he's... I don't think... I don't think... I know you 
differ on me on than me on this, but I don't think Saul is pondering like, hmm, should I be angry or not? About I think he's I think he's angry about this because yeah. he even smart acidly says, well, you might want to check with Cliff Main about this before you try to hire me mm-hmm. because he what did he do break his guitar or something? <laughs> he did something obviously to get out of a real good job with Clifford Main's law firm and blew that on purpose. And he says this to Howard now, like, if you think I'm so great, you better check with your buddy Cliff Maine to see how shitty I really am. He kind of makes fun of the offer. Maybe, or maybe he's saying, why would you want somebody like me? You see what a screw-up I am in everything I do. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not completely convinced that he is that pissed off. Right there. I think as he thinks on it, obviously, he gets mad. And you could be right. That's just not exactly what I got from it. But as they're leaving, Howard initiates a hug. And then we see Howard's license plate that says Namaste, which is the title of this episode. Yeah, so that's also somewhat telling is that Jimmy's license plate and his vanity plate when he gets one is lawyer up. Like bold right. and cocky, and Howard's is like I found peace. Right. Namaste is not like a, you know, balls to the wall lawyer statement. It's kind of a hi, everybody, have a great day, and take yeah. a deep breath and appreciate life and everything it's giving you. And Jimmy's like lawyer up, you know, I'm Saul Goodman. <laughs> I don't okay. know. I, I, it was a striking, distinguishing difference. That the Namaste license plate immediately make, made me think of Lawyer Up. Yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of like what I was saying, how Howard has has ascended after the choking of Chuck. but And, he, and he's reaching down, he's trying to pull Saul up with him, but we know how that goes. And then next we go to the Mesa Verde meeting with Kim... And she's trying to get them to move the call center to that different lot. And she tells them it's a lot that no longer floods. And basically, Mr. Acker isn't there. And that's not going to look good on them. And, um, you know, they own the land anyway. They own it all. And it's only going to go up in value. But Kevin and Paige blow her off pretty quickly. I don't, and, think, that, I don't think they own the land that, they want, that Kim wanted to move Acker to. Yeah, but I think so. I don't think so. Why? Because Kevin says you want me to avoid you want me to abandon a piece of property we already own and put Acker on this other thing that implies that they don't own it yet that he would have to buy more property not to put Acker there but to put the call center there. So there was no reason for him to say you want us to abandon a piece of property we already own if they already owned all of it. Okay. You might be right. Something that they said, and I can't remember the wording, but I thought that as they were deciding where to put it, part of the property that they owned was flood, had a, was in a flood zone, but they had shored that up now. And so they could now do it somewhere else. But you, you, you might be right. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think Kim's, like I that. think the whole, th- I think Kim makes a bit of a mistake here is she doesn't really have a shot in this because Kevin's decision is like, this is stupid, Kim. <laughs> you you want us to, we already own this. It's already got 
probably approval from coding or whatever they need to do to build something there. She yeah, doesn't it has. really she doesn't really say why. She doesn't say, "Hey, look, I got this old guy. I went and talked to him a couple times. I know I probably shouldn't have, but I really like this guy. It would be a huge favor to me. It would make me have a little bit more peace of mind. It's not that much more expensive." You know, if she was just honest, I think she would have had a better chance, but she she tries to portray it like well they shored up this other thing so it doesn't flood and it's just, kevin's like what this doesn't make any sense and we got to buy another well yeah but that's why i think that they don't have to buy it because she says we've already gotten the we wouldn't have to change the building or whatever we just have to get whatever to move it over there and she said it would only set them back a couple of weeks and you're not gonna be able to buy something and start building on it in a couple of weeks but Still, it doesn't make sense for him to say, oh, okay, let's just do that. <laughs> I mean, time, well, if it's not the fact that they have to buy the land, the time is money. Right, it is. But it's like she was saying, they have just put in like 10 miles of brand new highway or paved it or something right there. And she thinks in the long run, that would be the best place to have it. Well, they could now, put in 10 miles of new highway to a piece of land that they don't own. It doesn't mean that they own it, that they put in property. No, Mike, I mean, they, other... didn't, they didn't do it. The public utilities, did, that's, that's not what I mean. I just mean to say she was talking about that, that the road's better over there, and that's why they should put it there, that she thought it would be better in the long run to have it there. And, but... and I'm just saying it's stupid. It's a stupid reason. The road's better. It won't flood. I mean, who cares? It's We've already got this. This is we got bigger fish to fry, Kim. Why, are you even care, why do you even care about this? You know, do you she, think it would be her place, though, to tell them her rationale for it? I just don't want to no, do that. She to tries the to she tries to be secretive about it and give them what she thinks are logical reasons that didn't add up to enough of a decision making weight for Kevin to consider it. And Paige is even looking at her like, what, what, what are you doing? What are you talking about? This is this is wasting five minutes of our time even talking about this. Yeah. Kevin but, I mean, likes Kevin got... likes Kim. I think if Kim would have appealed to him a little bit more, he might have said, "Hmm. I don't see the financial merit in this, but be, if you think it'll be something that'll s satisfy something in you, make you feel better or whatever, whatever the bo bonus for Kim is, I think he might have put more weight into it." Well, I mean, Kevin, you know, as I'm sure you know, would have to answer to stockholders and stuff like that. And, I mean, him having a friendship or an admiration or a working relationship or whatever you'd call he has with Kim would not – I You're don't right. think she should do but, that. But her reasons, that would definitely are be her reasons for doing it for financial reasons are very feeble. It's a I poor agree. argument. But it's just like she says. She says, well, that's that. I just had to mention it. And there's an implied here, as we know, before I handle it differently. So probably that's just for her own uh, maybe peace of mind before she gets Jimmy involved in it. And then we go to the scene where Mike has the confrontation with Stacy over watching uh, Kaylee. And tra uh, Stacy tries to be sweet to him, but she can tell something's going on with him. And she, uh, he, he says that he scared Kaylee and he lost his temper and he just wants to talk to her. And he just really won't drop it. 
and she finally puts her foot down and he leaves very sullenly. Mike's not happy. Yeah. Mike's a, Mike's a bad anger. Like you hear of a bad drunk. <laughs> Mike's a bad mm-hmm. angry guy. He's like very unpredictable when he's angry. He, he it's a, it's shocking about Mike who's so controlled otherwise that he lets his anger 